but uh, I couldn't have made it without your prayers, and uh, we apologize for missing Wednesday night, but I'd just been the doctor Wednesday, and she informed me I was highly contagious because I had fever really through probably Friday, and uh, stepped out of the house really the first time last night, and uh, we're a little weak, but we're here, and uh, we're here because of your prayers and God's faithfulness, amen, and you've been so patient. And I, I, I appreciate that really more than words. I really do. And, uh, and we do apologize. It just, uh, I was feeling fine Monday. Had a great Sunday last Sunday, I felt like. And I was feeling fine Monday and Monday afternoon. I just started getting chills. And by Monday night, I was running a temperature of about 103. And it kind of went downhill from there. But uh, we appreciate you being here. Next week is such a, a pivotal, important week. Uh, you know, uh, we've shared statistics with you. And the reason next week is important is friend days. Two reasons. Number one is 82%, the last statistic, latest statistics, uh, show that uh, latest 82% of people that are sitting on church pews or active in church uh, initially came to that church because they were invited by a friend or family member. So it works. Next statistics show that uh, church growth and winning new people to the Lord, uh, you stand a greater chance on special days like Easter and Friend Day uh, than any other time of the year. And uh, the, the success or failure numerically and every other way of next week's service will depend on us getting out and getting involved and inviting somebody to church. We have tried to provide for you uh, the tools necessary. Uh, we have those cards. We've tried different ways. If you would be glad, we would be glad if you want to turn in a name and a phone number, we'll call them a person, we'll text a person, we will, we will email them, whatever we need to do. Uh, but you need to help us to do our best to invite somebody to Friend Day next week. We're going to have special uh, time with the kids. Uh, we're going to have different ministry by different parts of the church. We're going to have food on the grounds and, and just a good time in the Lord. So. Come and help us win somebody to Jesus. How many of you got somebody lost you'd like to see serve Jesus? Anybody? Next week will be a great week to help uh, do that. And there again, uh, studies show that people that normally would say, nah, when you tell them about a special day and I'm going to feed you when you get here, stand a chance on coming to church. Amen? Amen? Now, I know how things work, and, and I understand this. The fact is that we should never quote-unquote, have to feed somebody to get them to church or things of that nature. Uh, but you and I, I also know human nature, and we know that if it takes somebody getting them here for the flesh to fill them with the Spirit, it's a worthwhile cause. Amen? Amen? Amen. A, a meal's a small price to pay to get somebody's soul or put an investment in the soul. But anyway, I appreciate you very much. Uh, let's go to Second Samuel chapter 6. Today, 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to study a familiar passage of Scripture. And if I had a title for today's message, it would be Preparing for His Presence. Preparing for His Presence. And uh, go with me, and, and uh, if we could pull up the New King James Version uh, this morning. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from the Baal, Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. 
So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the uh, sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. <clears throat> and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio, I said Ohio, which is Ohio, but I don't want you to get it confused with, uh, with uh, the, the state. Uh, Ao went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of firwood and harps and stringed instruments on tambourines and sistrums and on cymbals. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. The anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep, that David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, And she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both of women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins, So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler of the people of the Lord of Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of him who you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. May the Lord anoint his word. God, we... Confess openly and honestly, we're nothing without you. We need your touch today, Lord, spiritually and physically. Lord, may you touch and anoint the preaching of your word. And God, may you touch our hearts and our spirits to receive the deep truths about preparing for your presence today. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
if you serve the Lord very long and you study any in the Old Testament, you begin to realize the importance of the ark to the children of Israel. Now, I'm going to take just a couple of minutes for those of us that uh, have served the Lord and been privileged to serve the Lord a lot and were raised in church or studied God's Word. We know these things, but I'm just going to build a foundation and make sure that everybody knows we're on the same page. So bear with me, you mature Christians, for just a couple of minutes. I've actually had this question, just so you would know, when the Bible's talking about the ark of the Lord here, it's not talking about Noah's ark. Noah's ark was a vessel, an ark is kind of a a term in the Hebrew that means vessel, and and Noah's ark was a big boat that God used to spare God's uh, creation from the flood. But whenever Moses was sent by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, eventually to the promised land, God established the law with Moses. You might have heard God called Moses up to Mount Sinai, gave him the Ten Commandments. And God instructed Moses and the high priest, which was Aaron, became Aaron, which was Moses' brother, uh, to build an an ark. It was a small box. It wasn't much different in, in its dimensions than this in God we trust table as far as the width and length of it. And it was that high, as high as it was wide, and it was made out of special wood. It was overlaid with oil, with uh, gold. And on the inside of the ark, there were three very important containers which represented the provision of God and it represented the presence of God. The Ten Commandments, the two tablets, were placed in the ark. So was a golden pot filled with manna that stayed fresh and did not get worms like the manna that was gathered in the wilderness would overnight. That showed God's provision of, of uh, providing for them. And then also was uh, Aaron's rod that he carried. All was placed inside the ark. And the lid was placed on it. And the, <clears throat> it represented the presence of God. And on the lid, we see a defining uh, that represents the very throne room of God. Beaten with gold were two uh, special angels that were bowed over their wings spread, touching head to head. This is called, the lid of the ark was called the mercy seat. And it was that mercy seat where the high priest would enter into once a year in the Holy of Holies, the very back part of the temple, and he would make sacrifice for the people of God, and he would pour the blood of the sacrifice over the mercy seat which was the lid of the ark, which represented the presence of God. And God would accept that sacrifice and back off from punishing the people for their sins on a yearly basis. And so this ark became a, rest, uh, a, 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 a physical representation of the presence of God. So much so that whenever you, uh, you read in uh, the book of Joshua, for example, Along about uh, Joshua chapter 6, you, you read that Joshua and the children of Israel are about to go in and they've crossed the Jordan River and they're about to fight and win Jericho. At the very forefront of marching among them was the priest who were carrying the ark. Now the ark was made to be carried a special way. On the sides of the ark, there were golden uh, rings placed where gold overlaid poles would slide among them and the priests would carry them on their shoulders. They were never to touch the ark because it was so holy it represented the 
presence of God. And so the children of Israel became accustomed through the action of Joshua and leading them into the children or into uh, the battle of Jericho. They became accustomed to the presence of God in the ark going before them into battle. That's a great thing to have, isn't it? It's a great thing to have God going before you before you face and fight your battles. But yet, sometimes if we're not careful, we begin to take something that's holy, the presence of God, and we begin to take it for granted and treat it unholy. And so that's what had happened just before this story. What had happened is Saul, which was the king of Israel, had, be- had made it commonplace to take the ark into battle to represent God's presence. And to start with, God honored that and God blessed him. But Saul began to let sin in his life. Saul disobeyed God on many occasions. First of all, <clears throat> before they went into battle, it was for the priest. And at that time, the high priest's name was Samuel, the chief priest and prophet of Israel. And it was the priest's job to come and pray and make sacrifices before the children of Israel went into battle. But Saul took it upon himself. And he made sacrifice. And God, from that moment on, became displeased with Saul and took his spirit off of Saul and sent Samuel to anoint a young boy named David who would become king. And so before this story, what has happened is Saul has gone even farther. He's about to go in battle with the Philistines. And he consults, of all places, instead of the prophets of God, he consults a witch and asks for direction. And then he just takes up the ark of God and he sends it into battle because he just assumes now it's always worked before, so it's going to work this time. And not only does Saul die and his son Jonathan, which was a great friend of David, something terrible happens. The Philistines capture the ark of God. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? It kind of reminds me really of where America's at today because I can just see Saul saying, well, God's got to move before, or God's got to move now because he's moved before. I can see Saul saying, you know something, God, you remember, I was the people's choice. And I can hear God answering saying, yeah, I remember you disobeyed my word. I can see Saul saying, Lord, you know you've got to move because you sent Samuel to anoint me to be king over Israel. And I can also see God saying, yeah, and you stayed in your tent while the, 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 the giant disobeyed what I said and challenged the armies of the God of Israel. Amen? In other words, I can see us with the presence of God now. America still wants to claim to be a Christian nation. And I can see sometimes that we go to God with our arrogance and we say, God, you've got to honor us because after all, we've got in God we trust on our money. And God says, yeah, I see that. I also see Roe versus Wade. You see where I'm coming from? Something happens whenever we begin to, to discredit and we begin to to lack our cherish, uh, our, our, our cherishing and our honoring the commandments of God. We can have what we think is the presence of God, but we'll miss Him altogether. Yes. And so that's what happened. And Saul goes into battle and they lose the Ark of the Covenant. And then David becomes king. 
And David has a great idea. And thank God for a king who wanted the presence of God. David goes and he builds the tent in Jerusalem and he's getting ready and he said, we've got a problem here. We've got the things built for God, but we don't have the presence of God. Can I tell you, I think God is looking for a people like that today. Amen. Well, we've got the building, we've got the programs, but we don't have the presence. I'm going to say that again. We've got the buildings, we've got the programs, but we don't have the presence. I could see David, a lot of people would sit back and say, you know what? Now I finally made it, I'm the king, everything's right, God's done what he said he was going to do. I'm just going to sit down and rest on my laurels. But David is saying, oh no, the kingdom is nothing without the presence of God. In other words, a year or so ago, my dad called me in one day to his office at the house and we were talking and and he was beginning to explain something. Dad's in his 70s, you know, now, and he's still been blessed with great health. And he said, Barry, if the Lord tarries is coming, and Mama and I go home to be with the Lord, I want to tell you the way I've got arrangements made. He started going over his funeral services, that kind of stuff. You know, you and your brothers, I want you to preach and this, that, and the other. Daddy, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you got to talk about it. you got to prepare, son. If y'all know my day, that's the way he is. So he began to go over that, and he said, son, now he said, you know, I haven't given y'all a lot because I've taught y'all. I feel like it was God's will for me to teach y'all. You got to make your own living and this, that, and the other. But I've got good life insurance and I've saved up some money and I've got some property and I've got it divided three ways and, and uh, between you and your brothers. And, and when I do leave here, you're going to have a nice little blessing. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, don't you understand by now? I would much rather have you here than I had anything you could give me. And that's what David was saying. He was saying, you know what? It's nice, Lord, to be the king. It's nice to kill these things, these these enemies, but there's nothing without your presence. I'm not satisfied with the title if I don't have your presence. My God, that we would get that way again. Amen. That we would not be satisfied with being called a Christian. That we would not be satisfied with having church. That we would hunger and thirst at the presence of the one who brought us here in the first place. It's all about having the presence of the almighty God in our lives. Somebody say amen. So David goes and he gets the ark. And he's going to bring it back to Jerusalem. But something happens. Even David forgets that there's certain things you got to do, certain ways you got to act if you're going to be, bring the presence of God back home. The ark of God was never meant to be carried on the cart of an oxen. You know what it represents? It represents the flesh. God had a way to bring it in through the priest, which represents the spirit. God was saying, you're never going to have my presence if you try to operate through the flesh. My God, if we could learn that in 2016. Amen. Because we think if we just program it just right, God's got to show up. 
If we do it the right way, if we go to enough seminars, if we practice it the right way, if we read enough articles, if we line ourselves up with what's popular, help me somebody. That's where America's at, the church world today. If we become just seeker-friendly enough, if we operate to satisfy the masses, then we'll grow. Let me tell you something, numbers mean nothing if God isn't in the numbers. And so God showed them, you're not going to have my presence by operating in the flesh. And so David then begins to bring the ark in the way that God wanted his presence brought in. There are just a couple of things that are powerful I want to share with you today about that. Number one, the word of God says is before he ever carried the ark, that he walked six paces and made a sacrifice. When you study biblical history, you know that six is the number of man. Seven is the number of perfection or God's number. By walking six paces and making a sacrifice, David said, Lord, I want to send you a message right now. I'm stopping with what I can do. Six paces. I'm stopping with what man can do. I've learned my lesson. Man alone cannot bring in the presence of God. And so I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to make a sacrifice because I want you to know that I'm willing to sanctify the flesh and crucify myself if I can have your presence in my life. Oh my God, have mercy. You know, a lot of times that we have a, you know, I, I do this on Sundays a lot of times. Or I do it basically every day. I try not to, I try not to be a, a walking uh, commercial for some fragrance company. I try not to put so many on. How many of you know you can smell some people from a mile away? Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. The old right guard turn left thing, anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Praise God, praise God. I've been to some places, let me tell you something, just prepare if you ever go to the Holy Land. Some of them folks don't believe in deodorant like we believe here. You might as well, you better take you some nose plugs or something whenever you go on a crowded airplane to fly 10 hours at night with a bunch of, 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 of uh, Jewish people who are, are, are what we call radical Jews or whatever. Uh, and they wear these dark clothes and they sweat like a pig and they don't wear any deodorant. Amen. I'm not one of those people. Amen. But I, I try not to just soak myself with perfume, but I do, of course, spray a little. As my great-grand-uncle Johnny used to say, follow me. Yeah. <laughs> you'd walk by me, you'd have on perfume, and say, what you got on, follow me? <laughs> but can I tell you, you know, you can smell people have that fragrance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Amen? And you know what? Uh, Sister Beth knows about what I wear or whatever, you know, and, and she likes that, don't you? <laughs> but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If I spent 30, 40 minutes hugged up to a woman that had her perfume and then try to go and hug the wife or the neck of my wife, the wife of my neck, the neck of my wife, I'm afraid that Beth would say, there's a strange smell here. Well, see, that's the problem that we have in the church a lot of times. We lay in the sins of the flesh. 
and we try to bring that odor in and we wonder why we can't get close to God and God is saying, because I smell the sin on you. Amen. And so David was saying, you know what, Lord? I'm willing to die to the flesh if I can have your presence. Matter of fact, according to some Bible scholars, it was a repetitive process. According to some Bible scholars, all the way from Obed-Edom's house to Jerusalem, every sixth step on the seventh step, David would make sacrifice. Because he was saying, Lord, I've got to have your presence and I'm willing to kill the flesh if I can have your presence. And so they take the ark in before God. The Bible says that David was wearing a linen ephod. Now ephod was just a praise garment, a worship garment that the priests wore. It was a garment, it was the same type of garment that the high priest would wear whenever he would wear and the breastplate was on it that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. But notice the word of God says that David was wearing a linen ephod because let me tell you what happened in that day. The high priest wore a special ephod that represented the children of Israel because what he would do is go on behalf of the children of Israel to seek petition from God. But the regular priest, and when you read the word of God, let me tell you something, there were a bunch of other priests that their job was just to minister to God. They weren't going in to make prayer requests like the high priest on behalf of the people. Their whole job was to go in just to minister to God. Their job in the temple was like incense to minister to God. Not asking anything of God. Just enjoy the presence of God. And so what David did is David put on a linen ephod like one of them. Now to put on a linen ephod, he had to take off something. He had to take off that crown. He had to take off that priestly robe. And you know what he was saying? He was saying, let me tell you something, God. My position won't get me somewhere with you. My accolades won't get me somewhere with you. My crown won't get me somewhere with you. I'm not coming to you as, oh, I feel it. I'm not coming to you as the king of Israel, Lord. I'm coming to you as a little shepherd boy that played songs of praise and worship to you. And so he took off his accolades. He took off his accomplishments and put on his praise. Amen. Can I tell you, God can't stay away from our worship. Preparing for his presence is taking off our accolades. Oh God, Jesus even told it this way. Jesus talked about two people that were gathered in the temple. One of them was them good old church of God, 50 year member. The other was a heathen off the street. And the man who was always in church walked in. Jesus said, and started reminding God of how good he was. Lord, I'm here once again like I always am. Lord, I'm gracing you with my presence. I'm doing my Sunday thing, Lord. I'm here to remind you of how good I am. And the other was a man that said, Lord, I'm just an old heathen sinner. And I don't deserve your presence. But I'm here to worship you. 
And Jesus said that that is the one that's preferred. And so David was saying, Lord, I'm not here to bring you what I've accomplished because of nothing without you. I'm here, Lord, just to seek your presence. And so he rejoiced. Now I want you to think about this. The Bible never tells us of David dancing and rejoicing after killing the giant. The Bible never tells us of David dancing and rejoicing because he got a crown on his head. The Bible tells us of David dancing and rejoicing because the presence of God was come home. Glory to God. You see, we turn on so-called Christian television a lot of times, and what we hear on there is about getting you some. Sowing seeds so that God will bless you. Giving so that you can get. Serving God so you can have your, and I'm quoting Mr. God knows, you know, I can't stand it. I'm quoting Mr. Osteen's best-selling book, Your Best Life Now. But can I tell you, God is looking for somebody who says, I'm not worried about where I live or my address or the zeros on my bank account. I'm worried about the presence of God in my life and I'm here to rejoice, not in what is given me, but I'm here to rejoice in the God of my salvation. And so David dances and rejoices and there comes McCall. Can I tell you, McCall was the original prize that David got for killing the giant. Mm-hmm. The daughter saw. Can I tell you, there are always people in the household of faith who are critical of other people that lose their pride when they worship God. And so she looks at him and says, oh, didn't you do good? You see the sarcasm. Well, well, well. Didn't you sow yourself today? Here I am busy, keeping the castle all nice, walking in my pious way to make sure everybody knows that I'm the queen. And you've just destroyed that because you took off your kingly garments and you became a commoner and lowered your standards and danced all around worshiping God. You've made a mockery of this palace. And then I can see David, the first man who sang Bachman Turner Overdrive song. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Baby, you just ain't seen nothing yet. He said, you think I've danced now? You think I've danced now? I'll show you I'm fixing to get my praise on. Because I ain't worshiping you and I ain't worshiping for you. And you may think you're the best thing ever happened in my life, but the God of my salvation is the best thing that ever happened in my life. Amen. King's daughters are a dime a dozen, but there's only one God of Israel. Am I here to worship him? And then the Bible says, and don't overlook this, that McCall never bore children. And you know why she never bore children? A closer study reveals 
that more than likely David never had relations with her again. In other words, you're going to lose intimacy with the king if you don't worship the Lord. I want to close this old familiar story and it's a told to be a true story and though I wasn't there and I've never seen this story I've seen things like it and it's a story of a church having a special day kind of like we're having next week but on this special day this Pentecostal church nice bill was paying off their note so they invited all the dignitaries around town and the mayor showed up. The pastor of the little Church of God congregation or big Church of God congregation, whatever kind of church it was, it was Pentecostal, began to worry because they had somebody in their church, let's just call him Brother John, that was known to be one of them worshipers. When it got good, Brother John would let out and shout. He didn't care that times were changing. He didn't care that Pentecostals don't shout like they used to. Brother John still enjoyed his worship. So the preacher had prepared and he'd learned some new words. He was going to be quite intellectual and articulate in his delivery. So he went over all the choir selections with the song director making sure they had just enough to feel lively, but not one of Brother John's favorites because he didn't want that to get out of hand. So he looks and everything's going along good and he delivers his message and he's got it studied, you know. It's all eloquent. And he goes to give the altar call and he makes the mistake of calling the choir back up to close and he didn't go over that with his song director. So the song director hit one of those familiar ones that was one of Brother John's favorites. <laughs> Pastor got shocked at about that time. Sure enough, it hit Brother John. He began to dance and shout down the middle aisle. He just closed his eyes because he was so ashamed. Oh, God, what's the mayor going to think and everybody else? He had his eyes closed about the time he opened up to a commotion and there on the altar the mayor was squalling, giving his heart to Jesus. So naturally took pride and went down and led the mayor. And afterwards he got up and said, Mayor, I'm so glad you accepted the Lord. But he made a mistake and he said, I just want to know what point of my sermon hit home. And the mayor looked at him and said, Preacher, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I didn't listen to what you had to say. I was just here to do my duty and get out of here. But towards the end, a man come dancing by me and something hit me that I'd never felt before. And it made me want to go and give my heart and my life to Jesus. And can I tell you, that's what the presence of God will do. I know that it may not be as popular in 2016 with people, but it's more necessary than ever before. It's time that we worship God like we were made to worship God. There's an old song that the Goodmans used to sing, I was born to serve 
the Lord. Would you stand this morning? I do believe today that God is looking for and will honor somebody who would rather have his presence than anything else. You see, blessings are a part of serving God, but they're not the main part. Blessings are many from the Lord, too many to number. And God has blessed me and God does bless me. But I don't come to church just to get blessed. I come to church to bless the Lord. Would you bow your heads? For a few moments this morning, before we go back and eat together fellowship can we take just a few moments to worship the Lord because he deserves our worship just bless him because he's God honor him because he's worth honoring Worship Him because He's worth worshiping. Bless Him in this place today. Could you do that? Who is like you, Lord, on all the earth? Matchless love and beauty in this world. For nothing in this world satisfied Jesus you're the cup that won't run dry your presence is heaven to me Oh, uh-huh.
presence is heaven to me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Your presence is heaven to me. time and ask him Lord in our own way Father Lord God we love you but we desire your presence in our life God Lord we desire you Lord we desire you Lord there's nothing oh God that can replace you there's nothing that can replace you Lord this King David said it best Lord that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell among the tents of the wicked, Lord. God, Lord, in this day that we live in of such material concentration, material demand, material emphasis, help us, O God, to be reminded that nothing is as great as the presence of the Almighty God in our lives. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Immediately following the service, need to have a very brief council meeting right here. Please stay and have something for lunch. And uh, tonight, come expecting something from the Lord. And don't forget the uh, this afternoon, the uh, bridal shower. Okay? Would you bow your heads and let's go ahead and pray over the food. Brother Josh, would you pray over the food now? Lord, we ask you to bless the food, Lord, that we're about to partake. God, Lord Jesus, thank you for the service, God, that you've blessed us with and allowed us to be able to attend in your house, Lord, once more, Jesus. God, we thank you, Father. We lift you up, God. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Make yourself on the way to the gym. Everything should be set up and ready to go.